She's a real woman with a real life. She's someone you can relate to. Dawn Newton. Don Newton podcast. I am your host, Don Newton. My guest today is a Super Bowl champion. He is a literacy crusader and he's also a best selling author. Malcolm Mitchell joins me today. He is the rookie who helped the New England Patriots win Super Bowl 51. He's also the founder of an initiative called Read with Malcolm, which introduces book ownership to students and works to improve literacy in schools. Malcolm Mitchell joins me today to talk about his own struggles with reading growing up and his latest children's book, My Favorite Book in the whole wide world. I think most people know you as a Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl 51. Congratulations on that career. I know it was, you did leave football due to injuries, but my gosh, when you were there, that was quite, quite a performance you did. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your kind words. <laughs> just everybody just fawning over you. <laughs> it's just, I'm, it's, and you know, I, I'm not sure I'm most known for that anymore. <laughs> I think I think when I say it, it gives people a point of reference, but I'm not sure I hear that as much as I hear about me being a a writer. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Do you like that? I don't mind either way. I I think they're both awesome accomplishments, but, you know, not what I want to be, I guess, known for per se. Well, and I think in, in the writing career that you've taken on has touched kids in a way that I don't think was expected I mean as an athlete a professional athlete and um, the level from which you were playing at and then to be an author and to reaching kids I mean you're hitting kids that are in athletic where sometimes that seems to be the more important thing and maybe academics isn't quite so much promoted although it should be um, putting that importance on there and then you sharing your story and then the work that you're doing today like I said I just applaud what you're doing today we're talking about not only uh, share the magic foundation but your latest book my favorite book in the whole wide world you were the author of this tell us about how this got started for you Malcolm well I was no different than majority of kids around America. I wanted to be an athlete, and that's what my community promoted. The idea of academic achievement was not high on the priority list, unfortunately. As I got older and began to branch out into different communities, thankful to my athletic ability, I kind of immediately understood the consequences for neglecting traditional education. Uh, more importantly, kind of crafting the ability to be a proficient reader. So I wanted to make a change. And and, uh, I I went on that journey, which was difficult at times, but a little perseverance always gets you to the promised land. So eventually I I became an avid reader and felt the positive effects from that and wanted to share with the world. I think as a child in my community, reading was not introduced as this tool to enhance your future or a tool used to gain financial freedom or social mobility or emotional intelligence. I think it was more so promoted in a way to help pass a class, which wasn't enough motivation for (laughs) what I was seeing daily (laughs) in my community. 
Uh, so it became really important for me to take this awesome superpower in reading and kind of shed light on what it could really do for people's life. I think Frederick Douglass quotes it best by saying reading helped him find his own form of liberation and becoming a free man. And, you know, it's quotes like that which uh, other American icons have said similar quotes. Abraham Lincoln has said quotes about reading. Martin Luther King has used quotes about reading. Oprah Winfrey has talked about reading. Warren Buffett has talked about reading. And it was, for me, enough evidence for me to actually dive in and see, okay, there has to be something to this reading thing because everyone is talking about it. (laughs) And there was something in reading in your bio, too, that it was when you got to college that it was most pronounced to you when you realized that. Talk a little bit about that. What were those experiences that brought your awareness to it? Well, college is much different than high school, right? In high school, you're still surrounded by people from your community. But college was something completely different. I'd never, I had never heard rock and roll music. I had never heard country music. <laughs> Those are just examples of uh, things that I had be- became to be exposed to. I had never met someone who thrived or became elated at the idea of reading a book until I got to college. Um, so I was exposed to this completely different atmosphere. And there was a series of event- events that took place that kind of made me recognize I needed to do something about uh, my reading deficiencies. And one was grocery shopping. A simple task was challenging. Um, just reading off labels, um, subtitles when watching movies, uh, in-class participation. And I think it, it really bothered me once I realized that not having the ability to read made me feel inferior. And I, I, I wanted to do something about that, for sure. Well, that's just it. I, labeling ourselves or feeling the shame that goes with that, that we put on ourselves, not necessarily from society, even though society can be right. pretty cruel, too, but just how we feel ourselves when that um, adults that haven't maybe had the tools or the opportunity to read. Right. And, you know, and that that is a tough kind of... I'm sure feeling very isolated when when you're feeling that or becoming aware of that. I don't want to call it. I yeah, it's it a very lonely feeling. And it's, 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 uh, it's a lonely feeling when it doesn't have to be because the moment I shared my inability to read, or let me phrase that differently, the moment I shared my willingness to do whatever it, take, it took to be a better reader, there are people that came from everywhere announcing their struggles with reading also. No one did it publicly. It was in private notes and letters to me, but it was only proof that I was not the only one dealing with it. And I know that from the classrooms that I was in as a child. I I definitely know I was not the only one. (laughs) Um, So once I became a college athlete and was on that platform, you know, it became important for me to take whatever effort I I thought was necessary to making sure people understood it's okay if you struggle at first. It really is Uh, because it does not always have to be that way. You can do something about it. And it doesn't define you. It doesn't make you a good or bad person. It's just not, not at all. So tell me about how that was. Cause I know college athletes, when you're, you're playing football, you have two jobs. One is your academics and one is performing on the field because that's why they recruited you. How did you, manage all of that because that's that's a load all in of itself well yes 
but college students have enough time to go out and party, right? <laughs> Somehow they so, managed to do that. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that's only me saying you make time for the things you want to make time for. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of time to read, you know, because there's plenty of time to do everything else. So it's all about um, making decisions on what you want to do. You know, I didn't go out that much in college. I chose to do other things. I didn't watch that much TV. I chose to do other things. Um, so I had fun, but opportunity cost is a, a phrase I like to use. Well, it's, it's those choices, and we and we do have control yeah. over our choices and our future and really what's important to us. So that's um, – you just pretty much blew those excuses out of the water with that. Malcolm, nice job. Um, so fast forward to Share the Magic Foundation, the current book now, my favorite book in the whole wide world. There was a book prior to this, The Magician's Hat. How did that get started for you? Well, me writing – started off the premise of wanting to help others. I knew I could not be a million places at once, but I figured a book can travel around the world and be millions of places at one time. So I started writing with the hopes that the message in the book would reach audience and they'd be moved into uh, audiences and they'd be moved by it to allow reading to have an opportunity to impact their life. That's kind of the only reason I started writing. Um, and then from there, I fell in love with the writing process, got opportunities to write more, so I took advantage of that. But I began writing books in hopes to encourage others, like picture books encourage me. And we see, we see you in these books. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's from a very honest place. Well, my favorite book in the whole wide world. It's, I mean, it's adorable. It's, you, you did a great job on that. Thank you. And it looks like the ages that you're, you're targeting at this point are ages four to eight. Do you see that expanding or? Someday. I was actually just reading before we got on the call, I was reading King and the Dragonflies, which is a YA book. Yeah, I hope to write one one day for an older audience, something that could possibly resonate with them. I'd always, I think I always write from some level of personal experience. So telling some of the harsh realities that I saw as a child probably take me some time to craft that skill because I'd have to bend words and mortar down content to yeah. make it digestible. <laughs> write it to your audience. Um, <laughs> right. Well, young adults and kids, I mean, they, they have a no BS meter, so you got to make sure that you get them. Um, they under, you know, at their level, yeah, which sure. I've always admired adult books, you know, novels and things like that. Those for me seem very easy to write as opposed to kids. Cause that's a totally different, that's a different arena and, you know, staying current with what kids are saying and how they do things today. And that generational gap, I guess, is what I'm referring to when you start, as we start getting a little older and your outreach too, through share the magic foundation. Tell us about that, the outreach and what you're seeing as far as kids who are needing it percentages. Are we seeing more increased? I don't know. Well, from kids yeah. reading. Well, there's all, there's been this wide achievement gap in students from a affluent communities and low-income communities for as long as I've been alive. (laughs) Um, And what we see with COVID due to some virtual learning constraints and just the process of virtual learning in itself, that gap is widening. So the the, uh, percentage of children who 
will suffer from not having that traditional education setting, something that allows them to be removed from their community and placed in an environment of learning. Uh, well, they, uh, the percentage of them having academic failure is much higher. With my belief in literacy, some of that can be mended by access to books. But in a lot of communities, well, there's a statistic, let me pause, there's a statistic that says one in 300 students in low-income communities don't have age-appropriate books. So I can beat my head against the wall about the importance of reading, but if a child doesn't have access to a book, well, how are they able to practice the skill itself? So that's where book ownership becomes a really big deal. But the truth is, these these communities that I grew up in don't have the money to buy a $15 book. <laughs> Books aren't cheap by any means. Uh, so you have to think in terms of a parent being put in a situation where they have to make a decision to buy food at the grocery store or buy a book. And that's a really unfortunate place to be in. So my foundation tries to tries to come in and help and say, we'll give your child a book or we'll give out books in this community or in this book desert or poverty pocket to hopefully grant children the access to fall in love with this powerful tool. And you're doing a lot of in-school programs, too, so that outreach, not only to community, but to the schools. I can't imagine how rewarding, inspiring this must be. I don't think I think in terms of that. <laughs> I think I think in terms of... Uh, what did I experience as a child and what I think would have helped me and kind of work in those parameters. Uh, if it's inspiring to others on the outside looking in, uh, well, cool. I hope it in- inspires them to help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and changing lives and getting the kids to pay attention, especially, you know, the athleticism, you're the Super Bowl champion, bringing that through the door too gets the kids' attention when they say, here's, Here's our speaker yeah, today, kids. So yeah, that's a, it's a nice little greeting card to. <laughs> that's a, it's a it's a great attention getter. I, I, honestly, it's 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 a big. There, it's really hard to whoever really doesn't want to say hi at least. So it helps a lot. I mean, it helps. It opens opportunities in every direction. But you know, it's not enough to get the job done. So there's still a layer of work that needs to be done. Right, but getting the yeah. attention and getting getting through the door and, and getting the kids' attention. Too, because that's, that's half the battle. Most yep, days. <laughs> yep. And the book itself, my very favorite book in the whole wide world. Tell us about that. Tell us about Henley. Who is he, and what what's his uh, challenge in the book? Henley is a kid who who faces reading challenges, just like many kids in our communities. Um, he goes on to say, some books are too thick, some sentences too long, some are too complicated. And he has this fear of reading aloud, but his teacher uh, presents this challenge of finding his very favorite book in the whole wide world. So he goes on this treasure hunt for his very favorite book. And for about 90, 95% of the the story, Henley doesn't find his very favorite book. But words of wisdom from his mother guides him in a different direction that allows him to to do something pretty uh, empowering. which is in, I don't want to really give that away, but I'll just say sometimes, you know, when you're looking for something, it's, it's already in you. You just have to look within and pull it out. That's awesome. And is Henley, is that is that a little Malcolm that we see in the book? I think Henley extends beyond me. To, <laughs> it's an experience that I had for sure, 100%. 100%. 
But there are, I'm telling you, there if if there are 20 kids in my class in my elementary school or middle school, I'll, I'll even say high school, if there are 20 students in a class, 15 of them had that same fear that I did. And, you know, there's always the same five that would raise their hand and read uh, and have no issue with it, have no fear, um, be completely confident and their relationship with books. And there'd be the other 15 just like me sitting there petrified. Yeah. In that, working with kids, when you go into the schools or into the community and you're reading to these children, what, what's, what's their feedback? What do they say to you? Yeah, it, it ranges, <laughs> as you could imagine. <laughs> uh, but, you know, some kids admit that they're scared of reading or that they don't think they can read that well. And Let's say the story is motivating. When I go to a school, every child receives a copy of the book for free. So some kids hug the book saying it's their first book. Some kids uh, ask about football, which I'm more than happy to answer those questions. (laughs) But the majority of the comments I get is a child who comes up to me and admit their struggles and fears with reading. Uh, In the moment, they, they usually share that because of the story and the book, they're going to give it a try, which is the reason I do it. The reason I do everything that I do is to hopefully encourage a child to give reading an opportunity to make an impact on their life. I think it's just such such great work, outreach to kids and to give them the hope, the inspiration, the admiration, even though that's not what you're seeking. But for them, it gives them something to aspire to. And to meet somebody, you know, former professional athlete, even that in and of itself is an opportunity that a lot of individuals, children or adults ever get. So just like I said, just walking in the door with all of that and then with the, the deeper message to help change their lives and let them see the world maybe a little differently, I think is really, um, you can't put a price on that. And that's so commendable. Oh, I appreciate your kind words. Where do you see this going? The the foundation, more books? I mean, it sounds like it's just kind of taken on a life of its own, just organically. Yeah, the foundation started five years ago. And my hope is that we can continue to expand throughout the country uh, with our virtual reading challenges. So we host online reading challenges for students. Um, I'm hoping that begins to expand. It's free for educators to sign up and participate. So I'm hoping, you know, we we can expand those opportunities and increase awareness of those. I'm hoping that we can begin to give away, um, you know, six uh, six figure amount of books a year. Uh, it's going to take a lot to get there, but I'm, uh, my hope is that we can just flood communities with books um, and provide resources for them to become avid readers. In terms of writing, I, I'm, I don't know. I know I'll keep writing as long as I have the opportunity. <laughs> and what can the community do? What can community members do to assist? Can we donate? Would, what do we? Yeah, go to readwithmalcolm.com, um, and you can donate. You can donate books if you like, or you can donate money, and we'll provide the books as well. I would say go to our website and also look around and learn more about our virtual programs where um, you can participate or you can sign up classrooms and students to participate in our year-round programming, which is completely free. Well, this is awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and share this with our listeners, Malcolm. Where, where can we go to learn more about you and this work? Find your books. I'm at Read with Malcolm on all social platforms. And just, just like it sounds, read with Malcolm and readwithmalcolm.com is the website. So I encourage you to check that out, learn a little bit more. If, if you're inspired, please support and 
let's change some lives through literacy. I think this is awesome. Again, Malcolm, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Don Newton Podcast. And a special thank you to Malcolm Mitchell for joining us today to share his inspirational story. You know, among Malcolm's numerous awards and accomplishments, both on and off the field, he considers discovering a love of reading one of his greatest achievements. For more information about Malcolm and his work, visit readingwithmalcolm.com. And be sure to check out my website, donnewton.org. The Don Newton Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by Don Newton. Oh,